Welcome to week one of the NBA recap show on the Mojo Sports Network. First of all, it is so great to have actual NBA basketball back, but it's even better to have these three men in front of me on the Zoom panel. Joining me, your host, Alexander Jay, I've got the CEO of Sports Confidential, Mr. Jack Brophy. How are you, mate? Great to be back. Pistons 2-1. and one. Should have beaten the Heat as well, so absolutely fine. Next, the mini basketball encyclopedia, Yuri Bilsitz, joins us from Perth today via Zoom. How are you, Yuri? Great, Alex, and the Bucks got off on the right note. Damian Lillard, right? First impressions, they say, always counts. Unreal, yeah. He didn't disappoint one bit whatsoever down the stretch. So great feeling, and let's hope the ride continues, eh? And last but not least, it's our fantasy team fanatic, Julian Balthazar out of Melbourne. What's going on, Jules? Great to be back, guys. I don't know how we live without NBA. I mean, just driving to work, 40-minute drives, having the NBA on, even just the audio. I, I love it so much. I'm fantastic. I'm just so glad it's back and I can't wait to get into it. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm lucky enough where I can watch a lot of NBA basketball at work. So this has been amazing. I can do this again. No Tom today. Um, he's got an engagement somewhere else. Stay tuned to the end of the show for my 10-minute conversation with Tom about the Celtics. Just the four of us today. Now, guys, I don't even know where to start. Let's overreact. Come on. That's what pundits do on podcasts. It's only been five days, but Jack, I don't know if you've prepared anything. It's only been five days in this new NBA season, 2023-24, but go ahead. But there's teams emerging and players emerging that we thought would be quicker than what it was. And I'm not just talking about my Pistons as well. <laughs> uh, the rest of the league is just so impressive. Like um, I thought the Pelicans would start okay this year. They're 2-0. They had a really great win today against the Knicks and they've got killers all over the court. They were fantastic. That's great to watch. Other teams have been good. The Wizards had a win even though I don't like them. It's just a, there's enough to like about a few teams out there that you didn't think would be quite there yet so i think it's um exciting for everyone watching nba jules it's only been five days but it's only been five days but gee some of the uh trades that were made in the off season have really shown up in their first one or two ga- games i mean Porzingis, damian lillard even Ubre jr who else have I got noted tice jones cp3 has been unreal for the warriors marcus smart started all right john collins has done okay as well for the utah jazz some of the early signings gee they're looking good Yuri, I think I might know what direction you're taking this. It's only been five days, but... I think the standings for both the East and Western Conferences are going to be extremely close. And for a number of years, everyone talks about how close the Western Conference is and try and get to that eighth and final spot. You need at least probably 47, 48, 49 wins at best. I think it's probably going to evenly spread itself out considering how close it has been. And yes, it is early days whatsoever, but... I think the margin for error now, especially with the playing seeds from seven down to 10, what's this now? It's third, fourth season now at the top of my head. I think it just drives even more incentive for teams who currently sit a position or two below, but only a game or two behind come midway through the season to really play for something. So I think that's been the big thing too, just early on that teams are absolutely giving it all. And hopefully, right, we see a lot more of this tenacious defense we usually do see it early on like in the first probably week or two and then it sort of just tailors away which is a little bit disappointing but we saw today right with the pelicans against the knicks holding new york to just 77 points and that was a tremendous defensive effort what they did minnesota today over miami holding them to just 90 points even though yes the heat probably shot themselves in the football only shooting what 11 or 40 from downtown but it's all due to the timberwolves defense what they did right so on also one other credit nas reed the yeah, no, he's been yeah. great. Yeah, the Minnesota fans chanting his name. It was it was 
highly warmly received too because he was absolutely critical, right? And him playing those minutes as well, basically almost the entire fourth quarter as well. I think he ended up playing 28 minutes, scored 25 points, had about eight rebounds. And it's that whole sort of conundrum in a way for the Minnesota going forward is what they do down the stretch when it comes to crunch time by either having him on the floor with Rudy Gobert or him on the floor of Carl Anthony Towns. That poses a lot of questions moving forward for the franchise. Now, my it's only been five days, but is a bit of a negative tone. We've had three positive experiences here. It's only been five days, but I think the Bulls might be a blow-it-up candidate. They, I'll swing to you guys in a second for your most disappointing team. It's only been two or three games. There hasn't been many, but the Bulls for mine, very disappointing. Zach Levine, a career high today, 51, but it's a 16-point loss to Jack's Pistons, which I'm sure he's very happy about. They fall to one and two after an overtime win against the Raptors where Caruso had to hit a three and a 20-point loss to the Thunder. They're really not well, and I have a feeling that DeMar DeRozan, who's extension eligible and apparently the sides are far apart on a deal, could get shipped to a contender, someone like Orlando who needs a shooter, someone who wants to make a move now, trade, maybe the Thunder think they're that good. Uh, Jules, I'm going to surprise you here. Has there been a team that's disappointed you so far? Uh, I thought maybe the Cavaliers could have started a little bit better. I think they, they're they one and two, a, yeah. Yeah, they're one and two. They dropped uh, games to the Pacers and OKC Thunder, and then they actually were very, very close to dropping that game against the Brooklyn Nets as well. Um, if not for a Don- Donovan Mitchell three, so of course they're missing Jared Allen, but I think they still have enough pieces or enough ingredients to get some wins, especially against the Pacers and the Thunder as well. But you know, the Thunder can't be ridden off anyway. But yeah, it, it's very early days, so um, yeah, not going to look into that too much yet. Yuri, what about you? Has there ever been a team that's disappointed you? I think it's probably the Memphis Grizzlies early on, that 0-3 start, right? Lose to the Pelicans and sort of get really stitched up too. And also today, losing to the Wizards, that was a real surprise. And I think when you look at the front line positions we've spoken about, no Stephen Adams, no, well, Xavier Tillman's going to have to really shoulder the minutes loads. And we saw in game two, right, in the opening round series against the Lakers, he was phenomenal I think he had 22 points and 13 rebounds last postseason. But to really leave the load on him is far and a bit too much as well because Memphis's strong point has been their rebounding for the last couple of seasons. And when you take away Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr., you've got to, have to see him rebound a lot more too. That was another part we also touched upon probably a couple of episodes ago. That has been a bit disappointing in a way. Just I think a lot of those leakage defensive coverages that they've given up too, which is really unlike the Grizzlies as well. and well, They've got injuries as well. Areas, so yeah. Just earlier this week, I think Santi Aldama is out with an ankle injury. Luke Kennard's day-to-day, and obviously they've got Stephen Adams and Brenna Clark still out. That suspension ajar really hurts them. They're playing um, – Kenneth Lofton Jr. saw five minutes to play today. He came into camp overweight and like not in playing shape, and they're that desperate for size they have to play him. Uh, Jack, have you got a team that's disappointed you? For once, you can say it's not the Pistons. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, well, for me, I was potentially looking at the Grizzlies, but the injuries that we've got are right up there as well. But I think Yuri's bang on there. I, I think the Knicks, they're one and two. They've had a bit of a poor start to the season, losing to the Pelicans today by nine points. But it's not just the fact that they've lost. I just think they're a very stagnant side with what they've got. Jaylen, uh, Julius Randle has been really poor, I think, the start of the season. His shooting's been horrific. He went four from 15 just today alone, and I think he was worse the other day. Jalen Brunson's been okay, serviceable. He had 30 points the other day. looks really good. But the rest of their team, like your RJ Barrett, your Randall, who I just spoke about, just so predictable. Mitch Robinson's really been their best player. He's been a fantasy dream. So uh, <laughs> other than that, I think, yeah, I just think the Knicks are 
yeah, they're, they're very predictable in what they're going to be doing for the rest of the year. They'll be okay, but they're not going to be great. Yeah. Uh, look, Jack, we'll stick with you. It has only been five days, but there's been a handful of news stories throughout the league. Do you have anything that flags your mind as the most important thing in the first week of the NBA season? Well, uh, it's been lingering for a while, but I think the whole James Harden situation with what's going on with Philly, it's a bit disrupted with what's happening there. Obviously, Maxi's slotted in really well into the second string sort of role for the last couple of games. But um, I think they just need to cut ties with it now and then they know where Philly are going to be at. And then on top of that, you've got the bubbling thing of the Sixers with Embiid potentially going to the Knicks. So there's been a little bit of discussion around both of those two players. And for Philly, they need to sort of just go, this is what's happening now. And then our season happens from there. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. What about you, Yuri? Do you want to stick on the Harden thing or have you got something else that's piqued your interest? I think it was from yesterday's game because I was watching the wild finish between the Bulls and Raptors, right? And the I think the referees, the union came out and there was about a couple of controversial play calls which shouldn't have been called. One on Pascal Siakam right in the final three and a half seconds for that offensive foul, which shouldn't have been called in the first place. And DeMar DeRozan as well, there was another situation there where he got a foul which shouldn't have occurred one whatsoever. So we obviously know what happened, right? DeMar missed three free throws down the stretch as well and one that will put Chicago up 94-93 and give them the win, but ultimately it went to overtime. So those are a couple that the league came out today and admitted that shouldn't, those calls shouldn't have been made as well, and which, yeah, it does happen frequently one bit, so it's no surprise. But at least get on the front foot and show some accountability, which they've done on that behalf. But, yeah, that was something just to really point out because that was a pretty topsy-turvy game yesterday, right? <laughs> I saw, saw a lot of comments online yeah. that it was really difficult to watch. Uh, as was. a Raptors guy, I'm kind of glad I missed that one. I was out all day yesterday and didn't get a chance, but it, it seemed like it was a bit of a slog to get through. It was because Toronto, I think, were about 1 of 17 from downtown at the end of the first half as well. And they managed to peg it back. And then they got out to that 17-point lead with five minutes left and thought, well, that's probably all but over. And then, of course, the Bulls went on that absolutely frantic run. There was that double-team play as well with them down 91-88, which they managed to disrupt as well. And that led to DeRozan's and one opportunity too, which was really well sort of designed by Billy Donovan as well because that's usually the first option anyway if you don't decide to foul is to at least create a hard trap and force the Raptors, as they did, to sort of pass it up. And, yeah, they did a really good job in that regard. So it was it was a good game right throughout too. And I think as well we saw today Zach Levine and yesterday as well we've just – I think the other part I just want to touch on with you, Alex, is they're starting Kobe White. What what do you make of that? Um, I had a uh, Kobe White starting is an interesting thing. I think over the off season, a lot of Bulls fans had kind of seen a bit of growth, or at least reported growth from the front office. I know Ben, uh, CEO of Mojo, thought maybe sleeper pick for six man of the year. He'd improved a bit. I need to watch more. I've never been a big Kobe White fan. He did play forty minutes yesterday. Like uh, forty minutes for him is is a lot. Seventeen points or so, I think he finished with. So. Um, Look, my opinion's not solidified. I probably need to see a bit more there. Mm. Anyway, we'll move on, Jules, because I don't. That's see, that's terrible. That is an awful, awful opinion. We're supposed to be reactionary in NBA podcasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jules, you got a story of the week? 
I think just recently uh, the Grizzlies have actually signed veteran Bismack Biombo. No so, way. Yeah, they've actually they they found a little loophole where Morant's been put on the extended suspension list. So after his twenty five games are up, they'll have to make a decision about whether they keep Biombo to because they can only have a max of fifteen or so, I, I believe. So interestingly enough, for some rim protection while Adams is out and to help out Jaron Jackson, he will be playing for them for the next twenty or so games until Morant's back. Now, um, Yuri, I can't believe it was you and I, we previewed the Grizzlies. I had them slotted in for maybe fifth in the West, and I don't think that's going so far. Jack, do you think the Grizzlies are probably looking out of the plane with this slow start? No, I think that they definitely still make the planes. I think that they still have a lot of depth within their shooting sort of roles as well and role players that do come off the bench. So they'll get you an extra five wins in a season that'll carry you to the point where they'll get on a roll, I think, towards the end of the year. And I still think fifth's attainable at this stage, but for them it's just probably just making the playoffs in general. Jules and Yuri, you got the same thought? Desmond Bain's been pretty good still in these three games, but... Yeah, definitely think likewise as well. But it's just how crowded the Western Conference is. And we spoke mm. about sort of the win-loss ledger too. And I think we spoke as well, Alex, about the Pelicans, right? And they're off to a 2-0 and start. And if they win a substantial number of games at Smoothie King Center, so if they go 27-14 at home and at least go an even 500 on the road or even 21-20 and 20 on the road, they'll get them a playoff spot. You think with 48 wins most likely, I think for the sixth seed probably – 46, you could say, 47 at best. Oh, it'd, just... it'd be tough. It's hard to project this year. It is a loaded conference. Mm. Yeah, that's sort of a little bit sort of on that side, I think, in terms of the wins and losses. And even Minnesota too, I think, after losing that away, well, their, their first game, shall I say, against Toronto and then bouncing back over Miami today, that was, they're also, we spoke about too, going to be really f- formidable too. And damn like the Pelicans as well, I've got really lofty expectations this season. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be back with Performance of the Week. We should have named it this segment Dunk of the Week. There's been some crazy dunks this year, but we'll be right back after this. Hey there, it's Alexander J, the host of the NBA show. Have you ever wanted to advertise on the Mojo Sports Network? Well, if so, now you can. We're one of Australia's leading sports podcast networks with a focus on emerging pathways for media talent. Plus, we're sneaky growing internationally. Just last week, the NBA show had listeners in Australia... Germany, the Philippines, stateside, Austria, in the UK, Croatia, Sweden, and more. So if you're looking to advertise your product, podcast, or maybe just your person at an affordable price, reach out to the Mojo Sports Network at gmail.com or hit us up on our socials. We check all of our messages, Mojo Sports Network, on Instagram. All right, back with Performance of the Week. Um, I might just start... Actually, that sounds unfair because I was going to pick Luca's ridiculous 49 points yesterday. Um he hit four threes in a row, and I come back from a day out just to see the highlights of this game. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. thought it was super cut together, and they weren't on consecutive plays. Um, Jack, your performance of the week is who? You can t- make it Cade Cunningham if you want to. He had a really great performance. I'm actually going to go with Jalen Duran. Um, yeah, great. I think he's been fantastic to start. He's had three double-doubles to start the year. Today's performance was just enormous. He he made Vukovic look very second-rate, I thought. He had 23 points, 15 rebounds, five assists, two blocks and a steal, and it was the authority that he did it with. So I think they, they've showed up the stat the last couple of games. He's now had more double-doubles as a teenager than LeBron James did <laughs> in his career. Um, and, no, he's not going to be LeBron. There was a couple that were above him. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but it's such an impressive feat for what he sort of achieved and, he sort of rapid growth from a bloke who was about a 15th pick, I think, roughly in the draft. 
I can't actually remember him, so you will be able to remember it for me. But, um, yeah, the way he sort of played today and the the offense really sort of run through him, it's questionable whether Ivy's going to be um, the number two for the Pistons or who's going to be. I think Duran's really starting to make a case that he is that guy. Um, and he's averaging 55 fantasy for those out there that play that. So that's enormous. We'll, we'll get to fantasy in a little bit. Uh, Yuri, your performance of the week is who? Damian Lillard, of course, yeah. Alex. The 39 <laughs> points, the franchise record on debut, surpassing Terry Cummins' 34 points against M- Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls back in 1984, which was Jordan's rookie year. And it's just everything, I think, that was really apparent, right, with Damian's shot making, right from that first pick and roll play. And there weren't many with him and Giannis. I think I was listening to Zach Lowe podcast and I think they only had about seven to 11 pick and rolls between the pair. So it's not as frequent as what they're going pro get between what, 30 to 40, you'd say, per game, just depending on what sort of coverages that opposition teams do throw at them. But that was definitely pretty ominous early on what they'll have to do, especially those high pick and the high pick and roll which Giannis set in and Dame just bounced past it to him and Giannis glided through the lane past Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid for an easy layup. It's those ones that are going really make opposition like defenses really sort of try and figure out in a way how, how to sort of prevent that too. But that's not the only one as well. The Brook Lopez high pick and roll with Dame is another absolute killer because it's similar to how they ran in Portland with Terry Stotts, right? And sort of that... Dub, dub, double drag screen, even a drag screen in a way, and it frees up Lillard to snake in between the lane. And we saw that play right during, I think it was the second half, where he got by the Lopez screen and saw just snaked his way to the left and could have easily gone to the rim right over and beat, but decided, no, I'm just going to pull up from the sort of the left baseline in the paint. It was about a 13-footer, a short jump shot, and just fade away, shot it over the top of him. It's those plays right where... We didn't really see much of it right when Drew Holiday was running the point at the Bucks, of course, that they designed those plays in a way. And but that's what's different with Light with Dame is that he can get downhill so quickly, right? That it just immediately catches opposition defenses like on the front foot in a way too. And you they don't have much time in terms of what they're gonna throw at him there. So it's just those real worries, I think, for them that they're gonna to have to worry about too for the opposition going ahead. But the other part too was that final three minutes 57, right, where Philadelphia, Kelly Oubre was just hitting threes from everywhere. I think he finished with 27 points off the bench. And when Milwaukee needed those clutch shots, right, and again, the documentation of really struggling down the stretch as well of games and leaving it all too much for Giannis and teams now knowing that they can build the wall, like what the Raptors did four years ago in the conference finals, is that, you allowed Dame to just go with the flow. Yeah, and I, I don't know how you stop that. I, I was, Jules, before we get to your performance of the week, we'll take a little aside to talk about this game. This was the 118 to 117 season over um, the Bucks one over the Philly. Fantastic game. It was a bit of a slog at times. It's Joel Embiid going against Giannis Tentacupo. Neither of them played particularly well. Neither of them made a lot of free throws. Uh, Damian Lillard down the stretch was just hitting big shots left, right, and center. Jack, what did you think about this game? Do you see anything in that? I don't want to say Kobe Shaq esque pairing with Damian Lillard and Giannis, but there was stuff there that I'm like, this could be an all time pairing with just downhill freight train. Dane can stop on a dime and, and put it up. Giannis looked unstoppable. Yes, there's like six offensive fouls a game he plays. What did you see, Jack? 
Well, I think that the dynamic that Dame now brings into the team, so don't get me wrong, Drew Holiday is a fantastic player. He's one of the best defensive players, so that's going to be different as well. Dame obviously plays a little bit more off the ball, can sort of move around a bit where Holiday likes to clamp down, and he can still get you 15, maybe 25 a night. But the difference now is like, obviously, we'll protect on the inboard and see what happens. So Giannis and Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez are kept at bay. But now they've got that outside perimeter and all those all those guys can shoot threes as well. But Damian Lillard, it's like that second piece that you're talking about. That's where it's that combination that I don't think anyone's going to be able to stop and read because they're going to be so open all the time. And he can pass as well, Damian Lillard. So obviously he's clutch when it goes down to the end of it, but I think they're going to close out games like that so often and just blow teams off the park because it's going to be so hard to defend. Massive threat to defend him on the three and then also Giannis on the inside and if Chris Middleton's healthy in the mid-range. Uh, it made me very excited to watch Milwaukee Bucks basketball this year. Um, Jules, back to you. Your performance of the week, you got a lot to pick from still. I do, and it's probably one that we're all thinking about. Steph Curry against the Kings, which was a phenomenal game, and I watched the, the whole game. And it was one of those games where, as you guys can probably relate, you know, we have friends who watch basketball and I was, it was one of those games where you just had to text them and be like, is anyone watching this? Like Steph Curry, I think it was the second quarter. I might have sent out a few messages to a few people being like, geez, this guy is cooking. It is unbelievable. And, uh, let's look at the line. I think he, he only missed three shots from the three point line. So it was seven out of 10 yeah. from three, from three. He was, yeah, 14 out of 19 for the game, 41 points, four rebounds, four assists, two steals, but seven out of, 10 threes. And then also the night night celebration we got to see when he called game after a pretty miraculous fourth quarter from Fox. It almost dragged the Kings back into the game, but Steph Curry pretty much did it all. And it was the caliber of shots that he took and made that had fans stunned. And somehow, even after we've seen him tick off so many things in his career, we still somehow get surprised by the sort of games and shots that he produces. And yeah, what a phenomenal effort and game performance of the week for me. Crazy that, effort there. That I couldn't agree more with that on as well. And I really like, I feel like he controlled that whole game. So he started off white hot. I reckon he had he had like 34 at um, three-quarter time, and even before that, he was starting to pass the ball off. He could have gone for 50 easy, but he's like, I'll set the team up and we'll be looking really, really good towards the end. And then, of course, like you said, Darren Fox had 22 in the last. he come from nowhere. And then uh, Curry gets himself, asserts himself, about, uh, sorry, asserts himself back into the game and then goes and makes that shot towards the end of it. Like, it was incredible. I reckon that's a great pick. I forgot all about that game. <laughs> and, then, and you know, to that point, Clay Thompson only took two out of four threes and, you know, he took 11 the game before. So, you know, when one of them is hot, they they recognize that. <laughs> and, and Clay actually started to get his inside game going. But it was one of those games where it's like, let Curry do his, his job and, and everyone just step aside. <laughs> We were talking just before we started recording. I was out yesterday and missed a fair few games. This is one of the games I didn't see. So hearing that De'Aaron Fox went for 22 in the fourth, I'm going to turn this on right after this because there's no one better to watch than Fox going downhill. That guy is quick. Uh, a couple other performances of the week that I saw, at least, that are worth mentioning. Zach Levine, 51 on the loss today. Um, Wembenyama, OT win against the Rockets, 21 points, 12 rebounds, two steals, three blocks. Yuri, do you want to touch on that one quickly? Oh, there was that play in the final two minutes, which the Spurs were down 107-104. And Jalen, not Jalen Smith, plus in the Indiana Jabari Pacers. Smith Jr. Yeah, Jabari Smith. There we go, Jabari Smith. Tried to basically took like a – no, he almost ran from the paint right and was going to throw it down over the top of Wembenyama. And 
not to be denied. He just stuck up vertical leap and just absolutely punctured the ball. The ball, of course, went back to Jabari Smith for an offensive rebound. Tries the same thing almost again, and Wemby just blocks it for the second time in a row yeah. in the sequence. It was unbelievable. It was like Shaq right against like New Jersey back in '93 in his rookie year, which he had like 15 blocks in one game, which I think is like a a record, I think, of all time, which is... We'll get there in a second because I was going to bring up that record. Chet Holmgren had 16 points, 13 rebounds, and seven blocks against the Cavs in his second game as a rookie. These two freaks of nature are just amazing to watch. They're absolute league pass teams. Like, who's playing today? Wemby, all right, I need to tune into that game. Chet Holmgren again, although he did get crossed over and almost put to death by Andre Drummond, of all people. Um and uh, SGA, my MVP pick, 34 points, 11 rebounds, five steals against the Cavs. I think that was in a win too. Um, I only saw the highlights from that one. Any other performances of the week anyone wants to throw out? Otherwise, we can go to Jules's stat line of the week. Oh, I missed uh, Larry Markham too. Everyone forgot about Utah, 35 points, 12 rebounds as well. So shout out Larry Markham. Jules, stat line of the well- week. I, I did have a – I'm going to try and do this most weeks, which is just a, a stat or a line that ca- caught my eye. And it was actually um, Jalen Durham that Jack mentioned before, the 15 rebounds, five assists, one steal, two blocks. It's just like – I guess it's a line that where someone does re- well in every category. And I think in fantasy, fantasy perspective as well, we had CJ McCollum in his game against the Grizzlies. He had 24 points, six threes, four rebounds, six assists, two steals, and one block. So talk about doing it all and getting a stat on every line. CJ McCollum, that is my stat line of the Week. I don't know if you saw uh, Scotty Barnes. Damn, he had a five by five too. Jules. Actually, he had a fantastic game as well, didn't he? <laughs> He's yeah. actually in my team as well. Yeah, he. Uh, yes, he. What was it? It was yeah, eight rebounds, five assists, two steals, five blocks. That could very well be there, actually. Yeah, very close. And a uh, triple double the next game. <laughs> yeah, I know. Good old Scott Byrne. Um, look, we have a fantasy league here at Mojo this year. That the four of us, um, Yuri, you're not in it, unfortunately, but we substituted you with the COO, Ben McQueen. A um, little 30 second recap at the end of every uh, pod. So this week, it was the Alex Attentacoon Bros against Bros Boys. Um, bit of a blowout towards the Attentacoon Bros. Jack, you've got a lot of better players than I've got, but I don't know. It wasn't close this week. Um, Jules and Ben. It's still up. I think the Utah game is still ongoing and it's still up for decision. So we don't have a result this week. And, um, uh, and it actually goes into tomorrow as well. So it actually, oh, ends, yeah, so it actually ends on the, the Tuesday for us. So there's still one more you know, day of NBA games to, for Jack to catch up and for Ben to get me as well. Ben, this is just apropos of how little I know about fantasy. If you were one of our <laughs> listeners that watched our Mojo fantasy draft, it was a disaster. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, Jack, anything to say on the fantasy before we move on and get out of it? That's the first time I've even checked it. I didn't know we were doing categories <laughs> as well. So my other league is just that white hot at the moment. I've like, I think I like did the draft of what we did. I'm like, oh, this team's terrible. I'm not going to worry about it. But <laughs> we just have to wait and see. All right, that's it for today. It's a relatively quick show. We've only had four and a half days of NBA basketball. But by next week, we should get a lay of the land. Uh, one of the things I wanted to look at was the Bulls one and two at the moment. Potentially could be one and six uh, by the time we record next week. They play the Pacers, then the Mavs, the Nets, and the Nuggets. And the Nets are playing all right. The Mavs are playing all right. The Nuggets, obviously. Pacers scoring on average like 130 points too. So Bulls could be in a tight spot. Does anyone have a prediction for where someone might be, Yuri, at the end of next week? Maybe not the prediction, but the thing that Indiana are starting Bruce Brown in the lineup, which is a pretty good move too. And considering his offense – significantly improved right last season Denver and he had what 24 points in the loss to Wizards in the 
Indiana's home opener. So that was, yeah, just I think offensive production. Rather, oh, why should I say? He's always gone from, what, that small ball five, which the Brooklyn Nets love to play with him to now shooting reliable threes every time like we did with the Nuggets. So it's amazing how sort of like some like players change their game from being an elite defender, which he has been since he entered the league, to basically polishing their all-round offensive game, like what Jimmy Butler did right when he first came into the league. And even like Paul George, I think, he was always known as a defensive player first, Kawhi Leonard, and then to a point in like their third, fourth seasons, all of a sudden averaging over 20 points per game. So would, would it be surprising if Bruce Brown does average like 15, 16 points per game? Maybe not. No. Jules and Jack, anything that you want to look at over the next week? Any stories you want to watch? Uh, we haven't mentioned Scoot, the number three pick, or Brennan Miller, the number two pick. Charlotte looked kind of fun. I know we shouldn't talk much about Charlotte off the court. They've got issues, but... I I think they might be like sort of fun to watch, but they are going to be all time bad. I reckon. Um, <laughs> like for example, like Lamelo Ball, he had twenty nine and nine the other day, but he just ball hogged it the whole time, and his shot selection, the rest of the team just wasn't gelling. It's sort of like watching the Wizards today when um, Paul and Kuzma put up forty six shots. Like they got the win, but it's like that'll be at fun what to- cost? <laughs> yeah, it'll be at a cost towards the end of the season, I think. So it's uh, like you said, it's good. It's good to watch, but whether or not uh, it's going to be good for you come playoffs, I don't think so. One of the things with Charlotte, um, obviously PJ Washington Jr. is on the team. In the box scores I look at, he's listed as Paul Germain, and I'm like, who the hell is Paul Germain? <laughs> and why do you have 25 points? Jules, what are you looking for this week? Uh, I need to see a response from Pascal Siakam. I mean, I thought without Van Vliet in the team that he would step up and, you know, in the past, historically, his numbers without Van Vliet in the team are around the 25 to 30 points average. And I think his highest score this season has been 18. He had 11, 18 and 15. And it looks like Barnes has taken the lead role. Yes. So Siakam needs to get back into gear and, and show us why he's an all-star. And then another thing is Grizzlies, if they can somehow beat the Mavericks, then they've got Utah and Portland. They play them both twice within a span of five games. So that can even out their record. It just needs to, they just need to break that hump and get over the Mavs, the Mavs, sorry, so they can um, not go 0 4. That'll be very disappointing. Lovely. Thanks for joining me, guys. Um, as always, absolutely my pleasure. Thanks. Cheers, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm joined by Mr. Tom Dev, the sports writer out of Melbourne. Tom, how are you? Not too bad. And, you know, unfortunately, couldn't make the show uh, with the rest of everyone today. But when you said, uh, do I want to talk about some Celtics? I was all on board for that. Exactly. I watched that first Celtics game against the Knicks 108 to 104, the victory. Um, and I went, you know what? I want to talk to Tom about this. Haven't had a chance to see a second of the Heat win. Uh, excuse me, the Celtics win over the Heat yesterday, 119 to 111. So let's start with that Knicks game because. Um, I thought this was pretty telling of a good Celtics team, maybe still struggling to put some of the pieces together, but Kristaps Porzingis looked great in that first quarter. Um, tell me, what did you see in this game? How do you feel? How do you feel about the Celtics after two wins so far in the NBA? Yeah, so when that game was on, unfortunately, I was still in India. So the the first half, uh, the first this game started about 4 a.m. So I missed the first three quarters, got up, saw the score and thought, got to watch this. Then uh Within a few minutes, the Celtics do. The nine-point lead was down to a two-point deficit, as as I've come accustomed to. But look, they look <laughs> strong throughout the whole game. I mean, I went back and watched it. Porzingis is such an added bonus. I mean, he can stretch that floor so well. And that three-point shooting, for a seven-foot-three guy, he makes it look like a free throw. It's he was five insane. of nine in that first game from three. It was crazy. Oh, it was insane. And it, honestly, the other added bonus, he was nine of ten from the free-throw line. And he made some free throws down the stretch when the whole... Madison Square Garden was chanting, you know, F Porzingis, and 
he really gave it right back to them. And, you know, eight rebounds as well. And the biggest thing that the Celtics were lacking is rim protection. And we'll get a bit more onto this in the next game. But he had four blocks against the Knicks, which is insane. And he really felt like he fit into that system. And look, the drop coverage was a little bit dicey at times. And I have a feeling that a team with better sort of scoring point guard than Brunson might make that make him pay for that. But for the moment, it's looking pretty good. And then also Tatum, 34 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 13 to 22 from the field. And he was just solid all around. Feels like no one really talked about that just because Porzingis sort of hit that massive three in the clutch. But Tatum was the one who set it up and they kept doubling him. And this is what this team's going to do. You double Tatum and all of a sudden Porzingis is open or Brown's open or White's open or Holiday's open. You've got options are plenty. You leave one of them open from three. You don't want them taking that open shot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even Holiday was comfortable enough to take five threes. He only made one of them. But he had three blocks as well. So between the two guys you added within the last month and a half of the offseason, you got seven blocks. So, like, obviously the defense isn't going to be too terrible. Um, you're right about Tatum, though, because I watched the entire game, looked up at the end and went, all right, Paul Zingas top scores were 30, looked at the box score. How did Tatum have 34? Because he just got it in rhythm. It, was, it wasn't it was too explosive. Yes, there were big shots, but I went, oh, geez. If he can score 34 like that every night, that's an MVP candidate hiding in plain sight again. So uh, really good first game. Now, talk to me about this second game against Miami. Yeah, so this is sort of like the big the big game to open up the season. Like, yes, it was good to beat the Knicks because we struggled against them last year. But everyone knows what happened in the playoffs against the Heat. Everyone knows that the Heat's sort of been one of our bogey teams for the last couple of years. And so to get the win was important. But the way we did it for me was probably the most encouraging thing because it wasn't just everyone on Tatum's back and pausing us would chip in, but then that was it. It was Derek White out of anyone. And when we first traded in Derek White, everyone was sort of like, we're giving up a future first-round pick to this guy and, and Romeo Langford. And, well, Romeo Langford's not in the league anymore, and that first-round pick might be pick 30. So, really, it's who cares at the moment. But when he first came to the team, White, he just wasn't aggressive. Even in the playoffs in that first run, he just didn't want to take a shot. And now he's just completely transformed. And maybe it's because Marcus Smart isn't there, and because uh, Mack and Brogdon's not there and he kind of has to. But he was so aggressive yesterday. 28 points, six rebounds, three of them being offensive, three assists. And he was nine from 15 from the field, five of seven from three. And there was one point where he just had an 8-0 run to himself. And he was being so aggressive. He dribbled up the floor and he had a heat check. And this is not like on a team with Tatum, Brown, Pozingas, this is not the guy you'd be expecting to have a heat check. But he did. And he went straight in. And, you know, Miami Heat called a timeout. And that really changed the tide. But... <laughs> For me, the bit that really got me off the couch was his blocks. He had three blocks on Jimmy Butler and honestly saved him a spot on that all-defensive team again because that one block on Butler that Butler gets out loose. I'm not sure if you saw it, but he gets out loose out the back and he just chases him down. From, Dude, that's the know, only baseline. highlight I've seen from this game so far. Yeah, oh, incredible. It was outrageous. And you know, I, this, this might, might sound like a bit of a, a, a lie, but honestly, when I saw White chasing after him, I was confident he was going to get this because <laughs> I've seen him. After two years, I've seen him do this. He's he's one of the best shot-blocking guards that I've seen in, in the league, and it's crazy. And then from just a whole team perspective, all five starters scored 17 or more points, and three players in Brown, Tatum, and White scored 22 or more points. And like that's crazy. And, and Holiday had a really good game. It's like, going to get lost because Brown and White did most of the damage, but Holiday had 17 points, seven assists, and 10 rebounds. And... This whole team is is just so much better scoring-wise than last year. Because even in the Knicks, when the offense stalled, Pozingas came in and gave so many options, whether it was in the post or the three-point line. And if they leave one guy open, like I said before, they've got four other guys who are going to punish you. 
And even one point when um, White got a three late in fourth quarter, they got a, a, a rebound and they ran out to the other end. And literally, Porzingis just camped himself in the post. And all of a sudden, the Heat were terrified that they left White wide open in the corner, who was the hot man. And it's just insane. And watching this team, I'm I'm so excited for what what's to come because I haven't seen seen the Celtics have this much offensive power since maybe 2019. And even then, that team just had chemistry issues everywhere. It was never like this. Um, but also on the other side, the Heat still scary. It's scary. I mean, they, <laughs> they, Lowry, Hero, Robinson, and even Love were just able to consistently hit threes. And Butler had a shocking game, and they were still right up into it until the last minute, really. Um, but yeah, so obviously you didn't see that game, but that that was just it was an interesting game. Yeah, I'm gonna to, watch it this morning. Yeah, yeah. It's, if it's you can't tell from my voice, I've had, I've had a slightly large night, so I'm gonna sit down on the couch <laughs> and watch Celtics Miami in, in a moment. Uh, speaking of moving forward with the Celtics, I've got their next opponents listed up in front of us as we end our little segment. They could theoretically start the season on a great opening run. They've got Washington next, Indiana, which could push them. Indiana can score. Uh, Brooklyn is game five. And then I think the only two tough games in their next 10 are Minnesota, then Philly. So they could be 5-0 and oh before they face Minnesota. Um, they get past Mini. They've got Philly to deal with. They go past that. It's Brooklyn, Toronto again. Like there is a real chance that the Celtics can open up on a great run. Um, how confident are you after two games? It's only been two games, Tom, but are the Celtics NBA finalists? Look, I'm definitely more confident having seen the product on the court now than what I was preseason and the start of the season because we didn't really know what was going to happen. But look, I'll be a bit negative here. I mean, they still lack composure to close games. I mean, in that fourth, when they were up nine, they really should have finished that game 20 points ahead and just closed it out. Instead, it went down to the wire. And really, the Knicks struggled to score at the end because they managed to tie up the the defense, but a better offensive team might have actually won that game. Um, and look, turnovers, they've had 28 over two games. That is far too many. And that'll be the point of emphasis. And obviously, having Holiday and White sort of in their first years in this team, uh, being the primary point guard now, Smart's gone, expect some sort of rough areas. But also, Jalen Brown is a large you know, contributor to some of those turnovers. And also, the depth just scares me. I mean, beyond Horford, Pritchard hasn't carried over his preseason form. Houser's doing okay, but he isn't getting many shots. And Brissett, when you watch the game later today, Brissett, Brissett came into that heat game and he was really the energizer and he got a bunch of offensive boards. But outside of that, we've got nothing. And yesterday, Porzingis, not to spoil the game, but Porzingis fouled out with about four minutes left. Mm. And so Bam can get him into foul trouble. What's going to happen when he plays Giannis and Embiid? Mm. That, that just sounds like it's going to be six fouls straight away and we're going to be in trouble. Um, and also, look, it, you can say this about every team, whether it's the Heat, the Celtics, the Bucks, the Sixers. The, you know, they're, we're one t- injury away from being exposed depth-wise. We're two injuries away from just a world of problems. But look, while the two wins weren't pretty, this team does look legit. And in previous years, they probably would have lost both of these games. And the top six, <laughs> they, they, they need to gel more. But I'm, I'm happy that this team's sharing the scoring load. And at the moment, it's not just Tatum does all the scoring and everyone else stands in the corner while he just dribbles the ball for 20, sec- 20, 20 seconds of the 24. It's everyone, ball's moving, flying, and everyone sort of gets their turn. I mean, against the Knicks, it was Puzingas and Tatum. Mm. Against the Heat, it was White and Brown. So we'll see. But I, I can't wait for more of the season. And I've literally just got a counter in my head until that celtics Buck game next month. And I just can't wait yeah. for that. We're going to start to preview that in a few weeks' time when you'll be overseas at the Celtics-Bucks game. Look, I'm very excited for you and very excited to have 
and energized Tom Dev on the show this year. Thanks for joining me, Tom. Um, we'll chat again pretty soon, especially if the Celtics are really good. If they open up five and zero and by next weekend, um, this could be a really fun team to keep a little undefeated streak eye on. So thanks for joining me, mate. Uh, have a good weekend. You too. Well, that's it for today's show. If you've stuck around this far, please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, check out Ben's NBL Twitter recaps. They're on Tuesdays, I believe, over at the Mojo Sports Network Twitter account. You can find more of Yuri at the Sportscape Chronicles, more of Jack. He's the CEO over on the Sports Confidential Podcast Network. Tom writes for theraw.com. He's heading overseas in a couple of weeks to see some NBA action in person. Jules does AFL Bites during the AFL season. And I am Alexander J from B-Ball Bites. You can catch me on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts for daily NBA content. Have a great weekend, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.